Hello, my name is Annabelle Lee and welcome to the Talking Classical podcast. I'm pleased to share a discussion recorded earlier this year with Andy Higgs. Andy is a composer and a piano accompanist specialising in playing and writing music for dance. In this podcast, we discuss Andy's journey to composing and accompanying dance, as well as the challenges and processes surrounding the disciplines. We also talk about career highlights, including Andy's work for the Stopgap Dance Company, a pioneering UK dance company which includes exceptional disabled and non-disabled dancers. This is a really fascinating discussion for anyone who's interested in both music and dance, whether you enjoy listening, playing or even dancing. So I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. Bye for now. I mean, how did it all start for you? How did you get into composing and playing piano for dance? Well, it seemed a natural progression for me because I didn't want to be a performer. Yeah. And I'd had a few experiences when I was little with concerts. I wouldn't say recitals, just sort of small piano gatherings that you do when you're little. Yeah, yeah. Even when I was small, I remember finding them very difficult. And I wasn't cut out to do that. So I think composition was, you know, just a natural thing for me to find and express myself in that way. My father was a composer. I shouldn't say that in the past tense. He gets very offended. My father is a composer. So it was wanting to be like him. Yeah. Typical story of wanting to emulate your parents, I think. And the dance, connect. I just always enjoyed dance. Grew up watching MGM musicals with my family. Fell in love with West Side Story when I saw that when I was little. So I, I, I came probably via musical theatre, an interest in musical theatre before ballet. Yeah. Um, but I used to sit and watch ballet with my mum. So I was aware of the repertoire, I was aware of the music. And it's it's interesting, just as I was speaking my thoughts, you know, who knows where it comes from? Because there's a lot of messaging from parents because I remember my mum used to say, oh, you could write for dance because your music's very full of life and rhythmical and things like that. So <laughs> when you're little, you just go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, if someone's saying that to you, it's, it's bizarre how... That's kind of what I've ended up doing. And I, when I was practicing when I was little, I got bored playing the set pieces and doing what I was supposed to do. So the end of my piano practice was always improvisation, working things out. So I didn't realize at the time I was naturally honing the skills you need for dance accompaniment anyway, because you have to be able to improvise. I didn't purposely choose to be a dance pianist. Or yeah. work. It, it was the most natural progression for all the things I could do, the particular skills I had, the yeah. particular interests I had. Yeah. Um, so when I started working in dance, it obviously tipped so many boxes for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I knew it would open up doors into other places I wanted to go. Yeah. So. You trained at Chatham Royal Academy of Music. So what was that experience like and did that inform your um, later work in dance or was it a very kind of strict classical training. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Dance wasn't on the horizon then. Yeah. I wasn't even aware. I, I don't think that you know, you could have a career as a dance accompanist. Yeah. I was focusing on my studies. Yeah. I was, at Cheatham's, I was, a f- I was about the only first study composer they'd ever had. Right. They gave me the opportunity to do that. And 
so piano took a back seat to that so I focused on composition and the training at Chess was so good you know you're doing daily oral techniques and analysis history and you're obviously when you're little you're a sponge absorbing all that so uh, it's an excellent springboard for a music college where I furthered my uh, studies but I yeah I wasn't thinking of dance at the time it came along after I graduated looking for opportunities and work so it was always an interest of mine but yeah yeah it really did sort of just fall out of the sky really I wish I'd known about it at the time because I, I've since met colleagues of mine who uh, helped support their studies while they were students playing for uh, dance classes at the time yeah. so some people crack their teeth on it very early so after you graduate with your degree you literally walk into your first ballet job but it took me a year or two before I sort of learned the ropes and or, or, or found out about it and, and that academy was that first study composition was that joint composition piano? everyone did second study piano at the academy whatever you played I, I'm, I'm pretty sure if memory serves that everyone had piano as a second study as did I yeah I mean I wasn't I took one listen to the standards of you know, people playing lists, yeah, <laughs> coming out yeah. of the practice, and I knew I, I, there's no way I could even try. So, composing was, in a sense, a way of not having to. <laughs> you could write very difficult music and hand it to people who could yeah. play it, while you just sit <laughs> exactly. writing it all. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I basically didn't play the piano for four years. I think I, I had a keyboard yeah. at home where I sort of tootled around on, but I just didn't play because I, I you're surrounded by all these fabulous people who could do yeah. that for you and pick pick up difficult music and learn it very fast. Yeah. So I just you know piano was closed for four years. Yeah. <laughs> and was it a very contemporary style of composition that you were encouraged to devise, or could you kind of be more more free? Because I feel like at some of these. I feel like there is a certain way you have to compose and there's these, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's better today yeah. than it used to be. It must be. Well, yeah. I'm not there myself, yeah. but um, just because everything's changed so much in the way people consume music and can get hold of music. Yeah. Practically every, every young person you meet generally would express a, a love for all kinds of music. It's, it, it, it's not uncommon that you'll meet a young composer who's just as enamoured with orchestral music as they are with their favourite pop records or whatever they listen to now. When I was at a music college, okay, there were also people like that, but it was a little more like, I felt it was similar to what my dad had experienced, and he went to the Royal College of Music several decades earlier, and the same sort of dynamics were there between different departments. But uh, personally, I was pretty much interested in everything. I actually applied at the Royal Academy of Music to do the commercial media course which is since I graduated is now called media and applied music but I think it was known as the commercial music at the time because I wanted to do tv and film music but on my interview they looked at my scores and they were string quartets and piano pieces and they suggested to me you should do the other course and learn that way so that's what I did. And so when you left academy did you go straight into accompanying dance or composing for dance or not immediately I got uh, my first job was with the children's show and I toured the UK and Ireland for a, a year and a half yeah um, which was a fantastic first job 
for a young man who's just left college and looking for his first opportunity. It was a lot of fun playing keyboards. And I thought I, ha I had it made when I was doing that. And that was going to be what I did. So yeah. musical directing. But it stopped after that. And I found myself having to find other things to do that were more regular and consistent. So I had all this money <laughs> from that tour. I learned to drive. I bought lots of um, uh, recording equipment and stuff like that. So I felt like I was investing in my future. And then just found, right, I've got to get a job. I've got to get something regular and consistent. What can I do? Mm -hmm. And my brother's girlfriend at the time said they need a ballet pianist at the school she used to dance at. And that's it. I feel as I'm telling you this, this is what so many ballet pianists would say. It's often a very similar story. Yeah. But that's it. It's just a local ballet school needed a pianist. Yeah. I needed a job. And um, it was perfect. And yeah. uh, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. It's nothing It's more interesting, exciting. It's just <laughs> sort of the typical yeah. way we find our way into it. Some people then could possibly jump headfirst into a company yeah. and challenging classes. But I think most would probably appreciate the opportunity to play for children and learn learn about dance, exactly. as it, which happened to me. Accompanying for dance, as we know, it is a very specific art form. It's not like, you know, solo piano, you can just play whatever you want, yeah. you know. So how did you find the transition from, I suppose, playing your classical piano to then going into playing for dance? How did you, did you find it quite hard at first or was it something quite natural to you? I think it was very natural to me because uh -huh. I could I could improvise. Yeah. However, I wouldn't like to go back in time and listen to what I was doing when I started out. But at the time, I, I was obviously okay in doing it right and people said, yeah, we love having you keep going back. Um, but obviously as the years progress, you improve and you uh, learn to understand the art form more. Um, but I certainly had an ability to... Well, the most essential things, I suppose, are, are not constantly having your head buried in a, in a score, a sheet of music, so you have to be very aware of what's going on out there in the room, and things like that weren't, weren't challenging to me. It's odd, it's like the challenges started to creep up on me later. I think it's that lovely... I was speaking to Casper about this the other day, it's that nice, youthful innocence and wanting to have a go when you're young think yes I can do this I remember I sat in a class at EMB and I watched the pianist and I was sat next to them thinking I can do that I want to have a go but not really having a clue exactly what they were doing or what was involved so looking at it there was obviously something I sensed I could do but there's a whole load of nuances going on when you're watching an experienced accompanist that I obviously hadn't a clue about and eventually came with time. Why don't we maybe talk about some of the challenges of accompanying the dance then? Um, I mean, one of the things I wanted to know a bit more about is, you know, what's the relationship that you have with the teacher and the dancers? Because like you just said, you know, you have to do a lot of improvisation. Um, and I guess you also have to be very instinctive as well, I guess, based on the mood of the class, what the teacher wants, you know, the tempo of the exercise, or mm -hmm. yeah, maybe the teacher might want, you know, yeah. an exercise in a six-eight or in some funny time signature or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, well, that uh, peculiar time signatures is more likely to happen in contemporary. Yeah, and I've done a fair amount of contemporary, but I've done a lot more ballet. 
Um, and when I played for contemporary classes, I it's odd because I thought I'd take to it like a duck to water, being a composer and liking interesting counts and rhythms. But I, I found it, there was so much I was always thinking about as they were setting the exercise and what am I going to play thinking of something that I'd find I would be missing vital information that okay. the teacher was giving the room and I still do it to this day even though I've done this for nearly 20 years yeah it's just um you have to develop ability to pay attention to the the most essential things and then you can worry about what you're going to do afterwards mm-hmm. and that I, I I never did and I I, I always made mistakes um, because of that and it was just not saying to myself right Andrew you must focus on that yeah. that is the most essential thing because then if you play something that isn't, isn't the most inspired wonderful thing at least it's fit the exercise and they get through it as I, I often approach things the other way around so my 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 entertainer is thinking what can I play that's amazing yeah. and everyone will lie you can think yeah, it's great yeah, so yeah. people like that about my playing and I think that's why I'm popular but Sometimes that means I haven't necessarily understood the exercise, and I will admit that about myself. Okay. So, uh, so with ballet, it's it's it just seems to be more my language. Right. Um, the music's very m- melodious. You can play Broadway and all the kind of stuff I love. Yeah. So it's more my language. I think I'd I'd, I'd like to think of myself as a contemporary musician, and I can do it. But ballet is my forte. Yeah. Um, so say I, I guess it just brings out the inner showman that wants to <laughs> just jam away and, and entertain the room you exactly. know not to show, show off but it makes a difference and I think the people enjoy dancing to that really and, and I notice if I'm getting too introspective and trying to be clever clever you can see people you're losing them really so you have to get the right balance yeah it, interestingly a, a famous fun tune actually helps there their work, yeah. you know, because they just say, oh, I know this this tune. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's interesting, because, you know, when I'm at work every day, I'm not there to entertain people. It is training, right. but nevertheless, that helps, yeah. obviously, because um, uh-huh. they say so. And mm-hmm. they say, oh, we just love it because of the melodies and the fun things you have. So and on a Monday morning when people are tired, that obviously really helps. So that I can do. Yeah. Um, that 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 I do really well and having confidence that that is a good thing to do you know and it doesn't mean the work is any less serious because I'm playing ABBA or <laughs> you know Coruscant or something so, yeah. and I'm, I love doing that stuff so I'm happy doing it and also that is transmitted to the room as well mm-hmm. all these unspoken things yeah. you know, which are often hard to articulate yeah. but, but uh, they are definitely felt mm-hmm. and it, ma- it, it makes a big difference mm-hmm. You asked about different teachers. Yeah, I've never worked with the same person. Everyone's completely different. Um, And as the years have gone by, I've got to know the ones I like working with. And I can go to, despite being experienced, I can work with a new teacher. and And it can be challenging for both of us. And I can not be playing well. And I often leave not understanding why. Yeah. It's, um, it's often a lot of what the dancer communicates with their voice, their rhythms and all those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot from them, an awful lot. I leave the room thinking, wow, I was great, wasn't that amazing? But actually, the, the teacher has informed 
you know, the counts, the beats, the quality, all of that stuff. And then when they're doing that, you're just picking something out of your repertoire. So by now, I am more aware of these things that I wasn't when I was starting out. It was just a bit like, you know, just throw, get thrown into a dance class and see how you cope. Yeah. Um, and some days it's wonderful, and other days you, you leave thinking, that was terrible, what's wrong with me? And yeah. it's, it's not that there's anything wrong, but the, the teacher, the environment, certain things suit me better than other things, mm -hmm. I guess. I guess I'm probably being a bit over-analytical because most people say to me, stop worrying, you're doing fine. <laughs> so, but that's my perception of it. I, I can definitely feel when I know I haven't done quite as well as I do in other, other times, and it's normally something to do with just just a quality in a particular teacher. Yeah. I've just, I know, I, I know so many people, and if they're listening, you have to be careful what you say about your colleagues. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not criticisms, it's just some people, we, we work better with different people. Yeah. And, it's, and likewise, it, it goes both ways as well, definitely. For sure. And that I've learned to do as I got older. Yeah. So I now I'm more fussy than I used to be, uh, and I will, when I get work, I'll often ask an email, who is it? Um, just because I want more control in that way. Yeah. And I enjoy the week more. Yeah, exactly. You know. exactly. But it's taken a long time to learn that one, because when you're starting, you just say yes to everything and want all the opportunities. Yeah. I just wanted to go back to one of your earlier points. So can you give us an example of, you know, when, like you said that, you know, the teacher wants something very specific in the exercise for the dancers to focus on but also for you as a pianist to, to bring out in the music but you haven't necessarily quite gotten it can you give us an example of perhaps a time when that's happened and maybe what did you learn from it the, well the, the most obvious example is, is as I was trying to say is just just counts in, in contemporary exercises just because I haven't really or even in ballet sometimes is there, if there's extra phrases when we work with young trainee teachers that's something they have to be aware of is that if they've planned an exercise, they have to make sure that, it, that they've explained clearly to the musician what they want. Uh, and it, it's quite common and easy that they sometimes miss out counts. If you haven't said that to the musician, the exercise won't quite work. But that's how you learn. And then it doesn't, everyone's feeling, oh, something's not right here. And that's fine. And then you are to talk about it afterwards. So I'm saying it's not just the teacher that does that, because I have many times made that mistake too, just because my attention has wandered. Or I've taken for granted, uh, assuming I've understood what they're doing, thinking I recognise the exercise, oh, I know what it's going to do, but possibly I didn't pay enough attention to the, to the particular things. It's getting too complacent. So as soon as you relax, it's yeah. the, that's the problem. As soon as you relax and feel you know what you're doing, that's when you miss <laughs> the crucial changes. Actually, that is, the, that is the sort of classic challenge of being an accompanist, I would say, is when you're relaxed and enjoying and playing well, which is what you want to be doing, yeah. it's often in those moments that I miss, as I say, changes, details, that. So it's, it's finding a balance between the two. You don't want to be constantly on tenterhooks, like listening yeah. and paying attention. You want to enjoy it. Yeah. But uh, the, other, the other thing we all do, I, I'm pretty sure we all, it's not just me, is when you're feeling good, you speed up. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> yeah, the adrenaline so kicks the in. The adrenaline yeah. kicks in. It's so frustrating. You think, wow, this is great. I'm yeah, loving yeah, this. Yeah. And you get faster. So it's, uh, and you have to reel in your emotions. Yeah. Otherwise, dancers will get too dizzy, won't they? They get too dizzy. <laughs> yeah. I could get head up. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I still do it to this day. Yeah. I think you just needed a, need a metronome or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty of it, but I think everybody is. I guess leading on to that, leading on, do you play with other instruments as well in, say, contemporary? Do you play with percussion? Do you play alongside other instrumentalists as well? Oh, no. I've done a little bit, but not much. I generally just play solo. Yeah. Uh, but at the London Contemporary Art School, they do a lot of, they have jam sessions yeah. and they put them all, all together and I think they have a whale of a time. But I don't do so much of that. I'm not so experienced playing with other musicians. Okay. It's another learning curve. Yeah. 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 Um, I played in a, a jazz band once and again, it was like being a beginner all over again. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to learn the language, you've got to learn how they communicate with each exactly, other. Yeah. Um, and then it eventually becomes, yeah. you know, well, well-oiled machine of musicians who feel each other. Yeah. I played once in a in a symphony orchestra, and I was behind the beat. And okay. I was horrified oh. because I had no experience. Yeah. And they they were saying, "Oh, you don't follow the conductor; just follow the general feel of the orchestra. Oh, that's how we're all playing yeah. together." And I didn't yeah. know any of these things. I've generally spent my life playing alone or writing yeah. music alone, so I've developed skills in that way, but. Playing with other musicians, yeah, is, is more of a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Just out of your comfort zone, yeah. basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of your work in composing for dance then, because I watched the um, the film that you, with Stopgap. Artificial Things. Yeah, that's right, the one that you composed for. It was absolutely amazing. And also, I'm just, I'm so sorry to hear about Dave Tool, because yeah. he was such an inspiration. Wonderful. Yeah. And I think, you know, most people will know him from incredible opening ceremony at Paralympic Games. Yes, yes, a lot of people yeah. know him from that. Yeah, but he was just, yeah, I think he was someone I think you really brought, you know, awareness of. He's <laughs> an inspiration to so yeah. many people. And what yeah. an opportunity for me to have had to write yeah. something for the great Dave O'Toole. I mean, yeah. That was my first professional gig oh, wow. as a composer as well, wow. doing that. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lovely time working with them there ever such a nice bunch of people they're supportive they're funny they're, they're stopgap yeah uh, company and they um, asked me back on a number of uh, occasions so obviously like very much what I do yeah so it was a it was a joy to work with them I, I also listened to um, your um, recent uh, collection of contemporary dance pieces as well which I... On the, on the band camp side, you must have right. heard. Yeah. That's where they are. I yeah. absolutely love them. And Thank you very much. I just much. love the fact that... I'm working on new material. Yeah. So Yeah. I, I love the fact composing. that you, you combine... You know, you take inspiration from so many different mm. styles, not just... I mean, obviously you have, you know, your traditional kind of, mm. I suppose, classical etudes, but, you mm -hmm. know, you also take elements from, you know, world music, and mm -hmm. then you've got, like, there's an urban track as well, and... That, that's the beauty of dance, is you can draw on absolutely anything. Yeah. Um, as provided it's functioning properly for the exercises. It's great fun doing that, doing yeah. that kind of stuff. I have a lot of fun uh, putting those together. Uh, the contemporary stuff I do a little more for my own pleasure because it's mixing in, right, yeah. in logic and putting lots of sounds yeah, and samples yeah, together, yeah. which is kind of fun stuff I, I like doing. And the ballet piano compositions are are much more likely to actually be practical and be used, uh, certainly in terms of downloads. Though those are the more popular ones, and the children's one is the most popular. 
I get a lot of pleasure doing that kind of stuff. And if people end up using it for what it was intended for, that's a bonus, really. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, 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 it's lovely. And I'm working on a new one at the moment, which is all original compositions. Fantastic. It's an enormous project. Um, I'm nearing the finishing line. Yeah. <laughs> so we're ready soon. Yeah, brilliant. But it's been going well recently. Yeah. So I have, you know, you have these up and downs. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so do you, do you start off by writing using a manuscript or do you kind of jot notes on, a, on your iPhone or do you kind of, do you use technology or how, how does the, tell me more about you know, your composition process. I'm, I'm pretty sure all of the above. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it used to be, yes, I, I used to write old fashioned way. I, yes. I had dreams of being like, you know, the classic composer just yeah, sat there yeah, with a yeah. candle and composing. Yeah, yeah. But who, who does that today? You know, yeah. Nobody does. I do jot stuff sometimes on notepaper, but even I have moved pretty much. It's, it's all on computer. So some tracks are improvised directly into the sequencer. So it's an improvisation and then I pull it around and make it sound like a coherent piece of music. Others are, I go straight into Sibelius, which is the music notation software. Yeah. And I just write it the old fashioned way, just yeah. write a composer piano piece. And I generally find even though the two produce interesting and different results, my personal preference is if I do it the classic composing way, it's a stronger piece of music. I can yeah. feel the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. um, one is just improvising and putting blocks of sound together until it sounds fairly interesting, uh, but the other uh, seems to give a piece more more depth yeah. or more longevity. I find I revisit that more and I'm more happy with that. Yeah. I think it just feels more mature. So I don't box myself in with this is the way I work. I, some people do and that's their, their methodology and without it they wouldn't be able to make a start. I think I'm a little more roll out of bed in the morning and, and see what happens. One of the tracks on the contemporary CD was put together from a a friend who posted something on Instagram right. <laughs> and it was just a little video and I sampled the sound and put it in a piece of music. So things like that happen as well. So mm -hmm. I didn't wake up that day thinking I was going to do that. Yeah. But sometimes an idea just falls. Yeah. Uh, it does occasionally happen like that. So whatever really, <laughs> yeah. whatever. It's good to be open to experiment really, Yeah. I think. And, and I guess when you're actually working with other dancers as well, when you're commissioning music for particular productions, I guess it must be really important to have their input as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hugely important and helpful, and it's contributed to some of my strongest work. Yeah, has been as a result of people directing me. Yeah, yeah. it must be so important to get that you know, constructive criticism. Hugely, from them. people yeah. have different bring different so associations and memories to music that they hear. So yeah. something that I might perceive in a certain way or see as pretty innocuous, someone else would go, oh no, reminds me of this, we can't have it. Yeah, and that's yeah. what, well, Lu Lucy Bennett from Stopgap was a very good um, guide um, and very honest. And yeah. if things weren't working, you should say so. And we, ha we look at it again and we rework it. But yeah. you can't know all that yourself. You no. need other people to do it. Yeah. If it's your own personal projects, you can go to town and do whatever you want. Yeah. It, but in, in, in the collaborations, you're providing a, a service uh, for the dancers and choreographer, and they've got they've given you some artistic freedom, 
which is why they've hired you, but they've yeah. obviously got something in the back of their minds that they're seeing and they're hearing. Yeah. Um, and you don't know that at the beginning of a job. You just kind of find find your way through it. And that, to this day, it scares me a little bit about contemporary dance, just because the language of contemporary dance is often very, let's just see what happens. Okay. You know, um, I've worked with people like that where I, I want, well, can you just tell me X, Y, and Z, and then I'll go away and do X, Y, and Z. But it's yeah. often like, well, well, just try and we'll see where it goes. So some people love working like that, and I I get nervous because I, I need the instructions. But actually, uh, it ends up being a really interesting way of working. But I remember seeing an interview with the famous Hollywood film composer, Jerry Goldsmith, who said towards the end of his life, he said there wasn't a single job he ever did that he wasn't nervous before and felt like a beginner all over again. Yeah. So... You know these feelings are universal and everyone goes through. Goes through. Yeah. You gain confidence and skills, uh, but each new job, you don't know what on earth you're in for or whether you're going to be able to do it or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you carry that with you for the rest of your life. So what's been the most challenging work that you've composed for? I'm nodding as you were asking because I know exactly what it is. I, uh, I wrote a 70-minute score called Shades of Change, which was for a Chinese dance company uh, based in Jinan. Yeah, I read about this on the website. Yeah, that, that was a real challenge because the choreographer was based in China at the time and we were collaborating online. So there's a time, di- <laughs> yeah. time difference, yeah, obviously. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so uh, when they were rehearsing, I'd get back... Um, or wake up in the morning and have all these notes and then I'd have to work on that for the day to get the stuff over to China so they could have it so that's how we were working and then when I checked my emails the next day of course I'd be nervous if it didn't work (laughs) can you change it or it's good so I know whatever stress I was under the choreographer was under ten times more because she was dealing with the dancers the director so there were lots of competing creative visions going on there and I, I was just in the quiet privacy of my flat in London working yeah. on the music. But nevertheless, I felt the pressure to have to get it done every day. And I was juggling that with my full-time job as an accompanist in the, in the day as yeah. well. So I just had these precious hours in the evening to do that, yeah. often working into the night. So it was one of those classic situations where the pressure just forces you to dig a, dig a little bit deeper. And people always say you get towards the end of a project you get twice as much done in half as much yeah, time and yeah, it's yeah. so <laughs> true because you have to and also you you're, do it. you have to do it you just got to do it and yeah, your yeah. level's improved um, and suddenly you reach this flow yeah. where things are just coming out and the stuff I wrote in, in my opinion I can see it and I'm much more satisfied with the second part than the first part because everything was coming together and yeah. it just feels more mature and uh, I genuinely would listen to it to this day and think I don't know how I did that so it's lovely I'm really proud of it really happy with it and um, so yeah but I wasn't desperate to experience it again after it was finished Yeah, you know uh, but it was it was great and great thing to do unfortunately then uh, Covid happened and they stopped touring and they've I don't think they're ever going to do it again so I never got to see a performance of it Uh, it was it, it toured a little bit in China but uh, I never. There's a video apparently. So. Yeah, I was going to ask. Can we hear music on your? The music's all uploaded. Or, yeah. Uh, the music is on SoundCloud. Fantastic. And, uh, but uh, 
yeah, I'd like to see a film of the performance, but it's yeah. mystery what's happened to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what is your highest point then as a composer or I think, as a musician? I guess stop yeah, having artificial things become so celebrated. Yeah. It was yeah. lovely because it continues to grow and unfold and I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that's the lovely thing. A stopgap do everything so professionally and yeah, they always so work. so eloquently as well. So Absolutely. Film, yeah. yeah, but all the other elements of the way they run the company, they yeah. work with wonderful filmmakers and photographers and costume peoples and everything's done so well. It's just like this well-oiled machine. And when I've written music for them, so I get paid, my job is done and dusted, yet there's this life that continues. And they might turn around and say, oh, there's going to be a festival and they're showing the film or they got an award or it's going to be on the GCSE syllabus. So that's an absolute joy, just sitting back and seeing what happens to it. And people often come up who, uh, young dancers coming up who were aware of it in the GCSE syllabus or saw the film, so, oh, yeah. was that your music? <laughs> yeah, it must be, must be so surreal, you know, when you see that they're writing about you in their, you know, set essays or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, absolutely, yeah. There were two other composers who also, I must say, contributed to Artificial Things. Yes. But for some, I was lucky that the third part, which was the one I wrote music to, ended yes. up um, being substantially used in the film yes. so it was just hot luck yes. that, that a lot of my material got heard yeah. but it was the original show was a collaboration and we all wrote music for a different yeah. uh, scene remind so, me which one was your scene again was scene it at the train three, station scene three in the snow oh okay, okay. Oh, which isn't in the film oh, uh, they adapted okay. it for the film so there's a lot that was cut out okay. so there's the duet uh, between David and Amy and the duet between David Tool and Laura. Okay. All that music uh, was mine. So it was reimagined for the film. Yeah. Um, but the sections that I composed for those duets are still in the, in the place they should be in the film, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's at least 15 minutes finale, which isn't, isn't in the film. Yeah. What projects do you have um, coming up? Well, I've just got personal ones I'm working on at the moment so at the moment I'm happy I don't have any anything else pressing because it means I can be super selfish yeah. and just get this uh, next ballet album finished which is what what I tend to do is I have a capacity for overdoing stuff yeah. so I've doubled all the exercises to give the teacher an option to have at least two pieces of music Yeah. I don't know why I do that because it doubles or quadruples the work I've put a silly amount of stuff on it but I did it with the first album and the feedback from teachers was hey I love what you do because there's always a second option for the other side so it's worth it in the long run but yeah it's it's an enormous amount of work getting it just right because once it's released um, it's annoying if you notice little things that you're not happy with so I try to so at the moment I'm really enjoying the luxury of having the time to do that I cut back on some work recently just yeah. so I could do it. Um, so I'm a bit poorer, but I'm creatively fulfilled. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think the two <laughs> go together all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's what I that was my choice. Okay. And, uh, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, I'm most doing okay. musicians, you know. <laughs> I was talking to um, 
violinist Thomas Kemp uh, last year, and he was saying that most musicians they don't do this expecting to you know earn a no. you know a, a, a steady a steady income. You've got to be all in it and absolutely you know want to do it, even if it means that maybe you have a lesser income than other people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or you do it hoping or dreaming one day there might be a big opportunity or big yeah, break that absolutely. makes it happen and then yeah. you're and then you can earn a living f- f- uh, from your dream and your passion yeah but being a dance accompanist is is not a bad second best no, to that it, it's a pretty good thing to do because you get a steady yeah. income but it's realistically that's what I've got to do and there's, there's nothing better to keeping me close to those opportunities where I can be used in other capacities to write music etc yeah. Which you have to say to people, otherwise you just get pigeonholed as you're the company still. You do have to say, oh, by the way, tug people's shirts and say, I do write and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a hugely creative environment. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. It's a it's, it's not bad thing to do. No, certainly not. <laughs> but what what ties me out is thinking I need to be original all the time which you don't have to be and no one can be because you're just training day in day out all the time you can't always be highly original but I do sort of push myself to try and not repeat myself all the time yeah um, just for my own sanity yeah <laughs> but there are certain tunes that you play all the time because you know they're just perfect yeah they just work they just they? work yeah. a lot of the, cl- the great ballet repertoire is just there's a reason we play it again and again and again because you just can't think of anything better yeah. than for a specific exercise. Yeah. I was thinking of like the classic one is the Capella Mazurka, yeah. which probably some people like never want to hear again yeah, in their life. Yeah, but yeah. I just love it. I never get tired of it. It's, yeah. it's attractive. It's pretty. It's beautiful. That's not. That's another thing you have to do. Is you have to gauge the gauge your dancers because if you're playing a company class, you're not going to be playing Nutcracker and things like that. Because it's Christmas. No, I wouldn't even oh, do it Christmas, really? but not in a company. Oh, okay. Well, because they'll be working with it in rehearsals yeah, so most that's of the time. That's true, I guess. The last thing they want to do is you playing Sugar Plum Fairy or something <laughs> for a ballet warm-up, you know. So, so, But if you're playing, if I play for a little Christmas ballet workshop for a, a bunch of kids, yeah. they love it a bit, okay. so then it's appropriate. So that's... That's the other thing you're doing, is you're sort of gauging what's right for different levels, different standards. And they, they all come with their different different challenges. Teenagers, I find, quite a difficult age because you're not going to play them little fun fairy nursery rhymes. No. <laughs> but they don't quite respond to very sophisticated stuff. They're yeah, learning that. Exactly. So gauging what's right yeah. at that level, I find quite difficult. I usually play contemporary relevant music that I know they like but I don't know yeah. what the average 14 year old might okay. be listening to these days yeah, yeah. So I, I get a bit stuck not, not, I'm okay. stuck in the 80s oh, with my okay. repertoire which fortunately is very popular yeah because of um, is it Needful Things or something or there's some show that they're all watching yeah so 80s has come back with a vengeance so yeah. it's, it's cool to play Blue Monday and yeah. Don't You Forget About Me and things like that again so yeah, I can yeah. get, just about get away with that finally <laughs> Just out of interest, do you dance yourself? <laughs> no, and I think <laughs> I think I'm a frustrated wannabe dancer. That's Aww. partly why I I I spend my life in the ballet studio yeah. hiding behind a piano. Did you do classes when you were younger? I or? did some jazz. Oh, okay. 
Uh, yeah. I've, that's very vague. I don't even know. I mean, we danced to like Madonna's Vogue yeah. and things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or modern it wouldn't be modern in the way someone like these guys oh, here no, would think no, of modern like dance square. so I did that for a bit and uh, I was the only boy in the room full of girls which I know sounds great but at the time I didn't enjoy it because I was shy yeah, and, yeah, lit- yeah. and I didn't like that aspect which was stupid because I should have stuck at it and I wish I'd done ballet yeah I had a, I did a few beginners ballet classes yeah because uh, I thought it would in- help inform what I do uh, as a ballet pianist, yeah. but yeah, I went through a phase when I was younger thinking, wouldn't it be great to be Nuri Ever wish the cough? Yeah, yeah, wasn't 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 <laughs> to be. I think that might be a great way to end. Good question Thank to answer. Thank you so, so much for your time. My pleasure. It's been amazing talking to you. Thank you very much.